So today's reading is from John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15, 25 to 42, and 60 to 66. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed that to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And then verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. 
They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And then verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Well, thank you very much, Alison, for reading that long passage so skillfully. And greetings, everyone, from a rather cold and windswept Devon. John chapter 6, verse 66 says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 66. It always makes me think of Route 66, that famous journey across the southern part of the USA. But there's a difference. Route 66 leads to Albuquerque. Verse 66, an entirely different destination. Throughout chapter 6 of John's Gospel, Jesus has been setting out his stall, as he so often did. He had performed an astonishing miracle, turning five loaves and two fishes into enough food for 5,000 people to eat, with plenty to spare. A lot of people have come to hear him because of the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. We read about that in verse two. He was the hottest ticket in town. And now he started explaining to them in detail who he was and the reason he had come. He'd come from heaven to do the will of the Father, which was to save from death all those who would believe in him. In verse 35, he declares himself to be the bread of life. Taken together with some of his other claims, I am the light of the world, I am the living water, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no doubt that Jesus claimed to be God incarnate, coming from the glory of heaven to die in our place, to take upon his perfect self the punishment our rebellion deserved, so that we might be reconciled to the Father and have life everlasting. He did not come to give us good advice. He did not point us towards the way of salvation. He was the way of salvation. Wow, big message, good news. The Jewish people have been waiting for centuries for the Messiah to come. When he finally did appear in their midst, many turned away and ceased to follow him. Verse 66. They were hungry for a Messiah, but still they turned away. And I want to explore why and to see if there are any lessons for us today. And I believe this chapter of John's Gospel teaches us that people turned away for three reasons. First, they had their own agenda. Second, they could not see the big picture. And third, the Gospel message offended their religious ears. So let's look at this together. First of all, their own agenda. Look at verse 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come, 
and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. In the end, the people with their own agenda did not even get close to him. They missed him by a mile. Now, we know a lot about agendas in the political sphere, don't we? Lots of corporate and personal agendas running beneath the surface at any one time. We think of the House of Cards, which bears a close resemblance to the way some politicians scheme and plot to further their own agenda. None on this call, obviously. I suppose the most infamous schemer in history is Machiavelli, who even when he died, people asked, I wonder what he meant by that. The Jewish people had been under the yoke of foreign powers for centuries, and the latest was the Iron Fist of Rome. Who can blame them for wanting a hero to arise, to shake off the oppression and lead them to liberation? But they weren't listening to what Jesus was saying. They saw the miracles, but missed the point of them. They were hungry, but for the wrong outcome. Their own agenda blinded them to the reasons Jesus had come, and he withdrew from them. They missed him by a mile. <clears throat> the second group could not see the bigger picture. Verse 42, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Someone was standing before them carrying out mighty healings and dramatic miracles, and they were confined by their own narrow mindset. This can't be the Messiah because we know his parents. He can't have come from heaven because his dad is a local carpenter. Now you might say they did not have the benefit of the gospel at that time. They didn't know about the virgin birth and the Christmas story. But I don't think we can get a, let them get away with it quite that easily. They were watching someone do extraordinary miracles among them. Where was the trust and the genuine openness to what they were experiencing and the things they were hearing? It played second fiddle to the narrowness of their thinking. Why didn't they give Jesus the benefit of the doubt? They'd come to see him. They were hungry for something, but they did not like the dish being served up. It did not conform to their understanding. It did not fit into their box. They were constrained by their own narrow-mindedness. They wanted Moses, but in front of them was a greater Moses. They wanted an updated version of manna from heaven. Jesus was offering them something radically different, the bread of life, eternal life. And so they too took Route 66. They turned away. Then finally, the gospel message offended their religious ears. The majority could not accept the primary teaching of the gospel, that all they had to do was come to Jesus and believe in him. Verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They had been steeped in their religious culture, obeying the law. The way to be right with God, they believed, was to keep all of the rules. They were rule keepers. They were religious people. They were moralists. They could not accept this new teaching that the essence of the gospel was simply to trust in the one God had sent into the world, even though it was backed up by such miraculous signs. In other words, they placed too high an opinion on their own performance. They couldn't grasp the fact that we cannot advance 
our case for reconciliation with the Father or eternal life one iota by being good or trying harder or keeping the rules. They could not understand that our, our salvation rests not in our moral performance, but in everything that Jesus has done. The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing, says Jesus in verse 63. Their religion was an impediment to them coming to faith. Their religion did not help them find Christ. It was a stumbling block. And so they too turned away. Verse 66, the highway to a different place. So who did come to Jesus and not turn away? He gives us a heavy clue to the only way we can come in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he said. Righteousness in this context, meaning being right with God. People who hunger and thirst to be right with God, they're the ones who place their trust in Jesus. They know they can't make it on their own. They cannot be their own savior by simply following the rules. They place their trust in the good news of Jesus. And that's why in New Testament times, so many poor and broken people responded positively to the gospel. They knew their lives were wretched, much harder for people who think they've got their act together to come to him in the right attitude of humility, to be poor in spirit. So are there lessons for, in any of this from this historical account written 2000 years ago for us? Well, it won't surprise you to know that I think there might be. First, we cannot impose our own agenda on God. It simply won't work. Like the people on the mountain, we will miss him by a mile. Now we all have our own agenda, our own deep aspirations, wishes, ambitions, sometimes buried deep in our hearts, and they are our true motivation. It doesn't work to try and force them on God in our prayer times and in our lives generally. His plans for us are so much wiser than anything we might scrape together. So let's come to him with an open heart and be prepared to listen to him, to receive what he has for us and our lives. And it would be so much re more rewarding than our own paltry ambitions. Secondly, then, let's try not to be narrow minded. Now, we're all products of our own backgrounds, and that's inevitable, but we don't need to be imprisoned by them. Let's recognize that some of the barriers we have erected in our lives are not biblical or scriptural or even necessary. They are simply cultural or resulting from our background. It's time to enter a wider, more open space. And finally, let's break free from our religiosity, from a rule keeper mindset. We won't find the freedom and joy in the gospel message if we imagine our salvation is at least in part dependent upon us obeying the rules, being good, going to church, attending these chapel services. We're not saved by keeping the rules. We're not even saved by our, our own niceness, but by his sacrifice, we are saved by believing in him. And of course, before Reverend Harris objects, of course, once we come to Christ, we start to be changed and do good works, but that is the effect of our salvation and not its cause. Yes, friends, there are real messages for us 
in 2021 in this chapter six of John's gospel. And notice what happens after verse 66. Verse 67 does not say, and Jesus ran down the road after him shouting, come back. I didn't mean it, only joking. When I wrote those words, it reminded me that our daughter used to say the most horrendous things to her brother. Then at the end of it would simply say, only joking. Can't quite get away with that. But Jesus doesn't do that. He didn't chase after them to soften the message. Now, the stark truth is that although he wants all to come to him, although he loves us so much, in the end, it's our choice how we respond. It's our choice how we respond. He will not force us even today, even right now. Although he wants all of us to enjoy a close relationship with him every day, it's our choice whether we spend time with him, feast on his word and draw close in prayer. He will not come screaming down the road after us. On the other hand, whenever we turn to him or turn back to him, he is there with open arms, ready to welcome us, to forgive us and accept us. He did not chase after those who took Route 66. Instead, he turned to his 12 apostles and asked if they wanted to abandon him too. And Peter answered for all of them, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. May that be our response today. Amen.